0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is farming once again, and I want to talk about two different worldviews, the pastoral view of the earth, of creation, and the Georgic view of the earth and creation, and the rise of a new world religion, gayism. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Okay, today's topic is farming once again because this is hitting the national news as well as the worldwide news. Last week I talked to you about Sri Lanka and how the elitists, the know-it-alls in Sri Lanka from the prime minister on down started imposing these stupid ideas on the Sri Lankan farmers to the point where they've got 54% inflation right now. And farming is collapsing across the entire nation. People are left without food. They're having to import grain right now when they used to be an exporter of grain before the Prime Minister started doing his quote-unquote good work. Then we have the story of the Netherlands, where the Dutch farmers are protesting right now because of the imposition top-down hierarchical government The elites at the top of the pyramid telling the Dutch farmers how to change their business model and stop producing so much methane gas, cow flatulence. Now, the interesting thing is the Netherlands provides a disproportionate amount of food to the entire European continent. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you tell the farmers they can't do what they've been doing? Do you think it's going to decrease food supply and cause mass inflation again, and put people out of jobs, and even put people at risk of not having enough food to eat. Well, there's a reason that all of this is happening. And it's happening because of basically two different worldviews. And those two worldviews are the pastoral worldview of the earth, of creation, and the Georgic view of the earth and creation. And I'll explain those two to you again, and then I'm going to talk about the rise of this new world religion. And how some secularists, atheists if you will, are even now saying that, well, there may be a God after all, and the God is Terra Mater, Mother Earth, Gaea, Gaia, G A I A, the worship of the goddess of nature. There are some secularists that are even writing articles right now that suggest that there is a God, and that the God is rebelling against our sin, and our sin is the destruction of the environment global warming climate change anthropomorphic caused rise in temperatures man-caused rise in temperatures that's the greatest sin that's the original sin that's the sin that leads to all other sins it's the sin against the goddess of mother earth that's today's topic i'm gonna juxtapose these two worldviews of pastoral view of the earth and of the Georgic view of the earth. And then we're going to talk about the rise of Gaism or Gaiaism. G-A-I-A, Gaia, Mother Earth, Terra Mater, and how we're now worshiping this goddess, this goddess of nature. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Well, you know, last week I covered a story, a couple stories, actually, um, I covered the story of uh, Joe Biden and his list of new executive orders that he's imposing on the American people. And in that, in that particular episode, I talked about how King Joe in his royal decrees are immediately calling upon our Treasury Department to print another $2.3 billion of monopoly money, essentially, something that used to be called the United States dollar. Okay, you can't keep printing this stuff and expect it to be worth anything. All of this money that we're throwing at COVID-19 mitigations and all of this money we're throwing at various different, quote-unquote, problems, many of which that we fabricated and it could have avoided if we just had some common sense, sense that's common, and we stopped worshiping ourselves rather than honoring the time-tested principles of God, we wouldn't have to print so much money. But no, Joe Biden announced last week that another $2.3 billion. Now, where's it coming from? Where's he going to get that money? He doesn't care. The Democrats don't care. They'll just print more of it, just like they've printed more of it all along the way. And we've got increased inflation. You, you, you think maybe there's a correlation between printing all of this fake money and the, the, the highest per- percentage of inflation that we've suffered, at least in modern times, and that's 9% plus. Anyway, um, why? Why is Joe Biden cranking up the Treasury Department's printing presses? Why? Well, global warming. This is what he said. This is, a, uh, this is an emergency. He bellowed. He just cried out. This is an emergency. You can see him saying it from the podium as he's reading his, uh, his note cards that somebody else has given him because he can't communicate without them. This is an emergency. I said it last week and I'll say it again loud and clear. I will use my executive powers to combat the climate crisis in the absence of congressional action. So he's saying I don't care what the congress does, I don't care about the separation of powers, I don't care about our constitutional republic and what the what what the law says about how I have to govern as the As the president, uh, as the executive branch, I'm just going to ignore the legislative branch. In absence of their action, because I don't like what they're doing or not doing, I'm going to use my executive powers. Because there's a crisis. There's an emergency. And what is that? It's the climate. It's weather. The weather is an emergency. And as I've said before, yeah, weather has always existed. Climate change has always been part of the human narrative. Go back to the Bible. You've got examples of how Joseph and his brothers ended up in Egypt. Why? Because there was a famine in the land. There was drought, and they had to leave Israel. They had to leave that area and go down to Egypt because Egypt had food that they had stored up because God gave Joseph prophetic wisdom, in storing enough food to last seven years because Joseph foresaw that the climate was going to change, that there was going to be drought, there was going to be famine in the land, and the way to deal with that was to store up some food, take responsibility for the fact of human existence, and that is there are times of surplus and there are times of famine. So prepare for the times of famine. That's just the way it works, folks. There was a time when we accepted this, as just the reality of our existence here on Earth. But today we think we can stop it. Talk about hubris and arrogance. So anyway, with that as the segue to my next point, you would think that this political chutzpah, this arrogance, this hubris that our president was exhibiting when he said, I'm going to take action. I'm going to use my executive powers to stop the rising seas and stop the, the tides of the ocean. I can do this. I can do this. You would think his purported allies in the Democratic Party would stand up and give him a standing ovation. But no, that wasn't what they did. It's interesting, isn't it? So the high priests of Terra Mater, Mother Earth, in the Democrat Party, they didn't necessarily applaud Mr. Biden. Why? Well, Senators Jeff Merkley and Sheldon Whitehouse, both Democrats of Rhode Island and Oregon, respectively, they immediately condemned the president's response as not going far enough. Hmm. According to these guys, these charter members of the Chicken Little's Sky is falling club, anything short of a presidential declaration of a national emergency, an official, an official national emergency consigns all of us, all of us, to planetary destruction. In a matter of days, the Earth is just going to explode. Okay, in a matter of days, if we don't take action. Here is a quote from Merkley. There is probably nothing more important for our nation and our world than for the United States to drive a bold, energetic transition in its energy economy. That's Merkley. And here is White House. The president must go on offense, on the offense. He must do all the things that are within his executive powers to do that have not been so far done. Terribly crafted sentence, but that's the way he communicates. Um, So this is what White House and Merkley said. White House actually went further, and he called for Biden to unchain himself from Congress in order to save us all from imminent extinction. Unchain himself from Congress? Again, what does our Constitution require the president to do? Honor the separation of powers and not unchain himself from Congress. So essentially, these Democrats don't care about the Constitution, they lied when they said that they would uphold and defend the Constitution when they took their oath of office. You ever that's a that's worth a couple shows right there. When you give your oath, you're giving your word and you're promising to do something under penalty of law and penalty of condemnation if you break your word, if you don't honor your oath. But these people don't believe in this oath of office to honor and defend the Constitution of the United States against foreign and domestic powers? No, they are the offense. They are attacking the Constitution. They are the domestic attack on our constitutional republic. Okay, so what do White House and Merkley actually mean when they call for bold, energetic transition, and when they declare that the president should unchain himself from the legislative branch of government? What do they mean? Well, uh, 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 as you know, I went to a paper. I found a paper that was presented by the Center for Biological Diversity, and the title of that paper is The Climate President's Emergency Powers, A Legal Guide to Bold Climate Action from President Biden. Now, this is a paper that he's been presented, and this document is apparently, it's almost considered sacred text by uh, the members of the Democrat Party's New Church. And I'm going to argue right now that their new church is the church of Gaia or Gaia, G-A-I-A. Now I want to remind you what that is. Gaia, Gaia is the um, goddess of nature. Okay, the Greek goddess of nature. It's Mother Earth. Okay, they believed that the Earth was a god, a goddess, and that a lot of the problems they suffered, even back 2,000 plus years ago, the problems they suffered were the result of offending this goddess, this goddess that was called and is called today, Gaia, G-A-I-A. Some pronounce it Gaia. Okay, so the members of this church, I would argue, are increasingly uh, the members of the Democrat Party. Okay, they're worshiping Mother Earth, and they're not pulling any punches as they give us the tenets of the faith. They're declaring that the climate emergency presents us A Code Red for Humanity. That's one of the things they say in this paper. And then this paper proceeds to argue this. Unless we ignite an economic transformation now, we will spiral toward a dangerous and increasingly unlivable planet. Close quote. And then these authors of this paper make their premise very clear. This is what they say. By declaring a national climate emergency, Biden can unlock emergency executive powers to permanently end federal fossil fuel leasing and drilling programs. Close quote. So they're, they're saying that you can sidestep, you can unchange yourself from our constitutional separation of powers. You don't have to worry about the legislative branch. If you just declare a national emergency, officially declare a national emergency, and 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 rest unto yourself all powers at that point because we're being attacked. There's there you know this the national emergency is to help empower the president if there is a nuclear attack or something so that you can quickly move to defend the the, the nation. So they're applying that principle to climate change now. Declare a national emergency and you can basically you can bla- basically take all powers unto yourself and you can ignore Congress. That's what they're saying. And why? To permanently end federal fossil fuel leasing and drilling programs. That's why we should do this. So you want to shut down our nation's energy production program? That's what sh- that's what they want to do. So here's the question: What could pro- possibly go wrong with all of that? Well, uh, these people are fools. They really are. They're fools. You've got other countries around the world suffering. The consequences of this asinine type of stuff, these policies, these stupid, arrogant policies, this hubris, um, these smart smart folks that never have gotten their hands dirty on a farm a day in their life, they're they're trying to tell farmers in Sri Lanka and the Netherlands and even here in the United States how to do their jobs, and they don't know what they're talking about. And Biden just doubles down on dumb. So I want to remind you, Sri Lanka, what happened there? Well, they declared their version of a national climate emergency in April of 2021, and they are now in the throes of a 54.6% annual inflation rate. with products such as food and clothing uh, and transportation electricity, a 300 percent inflation rate. okay? And now, oh, well, they, th- that's good because we want to make a transition to a sustainable climate environment, sustainable farming practices. So that's all good, they, they claim, the elitists anyway. Let people go uh, go fish. There's plenty of fish in Sri Lanka, so we should stop raising cattle and pigs and goats, and we should our, our protein should come from fish. Well, the problem here is the fishermen can't find diesel for their boats, so they can't go out and get fish. And the farmers can't buy fertilizer for their field. So they can't grow stuff like carrots and tomatoes and other produce. So there's been a 50 to 60 decrease, 60 to 60, excuse me, 50 to 60% decrease in crop yields. Uh, One third of the country's farmland is now lying dormant. And 85% of the farmers have faced crop losses. And now they're having to spend $450 million a year to import grain when they used to export it. Yeah, that worked really well, didn't it? And then the Netherlands, that's the other example I cited last week, and you've read it in the news. These wise folks um, in the Netherlands, in the European Union, uh, which and by the way, the Netherlands produces a disproportionate amount of chicken and pork and beef for all of Europe. In other words, you get their food from the Netherlands. They've imposed a 30% reduction on all livestock numbers, 30%. percent you got to get rid of 30% of your cows, your pigs your chickens and whatnot. And what do you think is going to happen then? Well, <laughs> oh, by the way, why do we have to do that? Well, animals pass gas, and they produce manure. And we can't have that if we want to clean Terra Mater, Mother Earth. If the goddess Gaia is going to be ha- happy with us, we can't dirty her up with all of this animal uh, feces and residue and the smelly gases that they pass. This... You, 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 stop and think about it. These are the same people that bemoan, maybe even right, rightfully so, the killing of nearly 60 million buffalo that were roaming the American Great Plains in the 1800s. We hear all the time of how, of how terrible that was. There used to be beautiful, beautiful herds of buffalo as far as the eye could see, clear to the horizon, roaming the Great Plains of Kansas and Oklahoma and Nebraska and the Dakotas. And we killed them all, and I'm not saying that was a good, a great, a good thing. In fact, I think that wanton destruction, just for the sake of uh, uh, fur coats, uh, uh, buffalo hides, I think that was stupid. But stop and think about the hypocrisy of the left. They're suggesting that animal flatulence is bad. Well, what do you think these 30 million buffalo were doing? Maybe it was a good thing to kill them all, right? Because. That animal, the buffalo flatulence, the bison flatulence, would have caused the polar ice caps to melt. And after all, uh, Al Gore might might lose his beachfront home in Montecito, right? And we don't want that. Okay. So my point, my point is this: Saint Paul once told the first Corinthians in Rome. This is the Epistle of Romans. Okay, where St. Paul was communicating, probably in the, 50s, in the 50 or 60 years A.D., just a handful of years after the gospel stories. Okay, St. Paul had a personal experience with Jesus Christ, uh, the road to Damascus. And this guy that was killing Christians, literally, literally, he was killing Christians because of their heresy, quote-unquote, became one of them. He became a Christian himself because Jesus confronted him and ask him, why are you persecuting me? And uh, as the result of that dramatic conversion, he wrote a letter to the early Christians that were being persecuted by folks like him, Okay, These, and some even worse. He, he, he wrote a letter to them, and one of the things he told them was that worshiping the creation rather than the creator would result in a reprobate mind, a debauched mind. Okay, he says that in the opening paragraphs of his letter to the Church of Rome. Worshiping the creation rather than the creator will result in a reprobate mind. And we're seeing this every day as we watch our nation's elites and the world elites stumbling over themselves, elevating the planet over people. They're worshiping the creation, rather than the creator. I'll say that one more time. They're worshiping the creation, rather than the creator. They're worshiping the planet, to the extent that they don't care what their policies actually impose upon the people. That God has created in his image, Imago Dei, to do what? To subdue the planet. Uh, We... God makes it very clear. The biblical worldview is that the planet is made for us, not us for the planet. It's kind of like what Jesus said about the law and the Sabbath, if you will. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The law was made for man, not man for the law. That's what Jesus is making clear to the Pharisees who had reversed the equation and and made man subservient to the Sabbath rather than recognizing that God had a reason for giving us this in the first place, and it was for us. We weren't created for it. It was created for us, and the same is true for the planet. It's for us. We're not for it. But these guys have reversed the equation. This ruling class is so fixated on the God they see in the mirror rather than the God they see in the Bible that they can't think their way out of a paper bag. It's, it's worshiping the Creator excuse me, the created rather than the creator. And that causes problems. You're given over to a reprobate mind. You can't think clearly any longer. This is what happens when you don't get the pastoral versus the Georgic view of creation, right? The pastoral view looks at the earth as if it's pristine garden that you should just sit back and enjoy and eat grapes as you gaze across the, the perfection of the environment. And that if we could just go back and recover that perfect Eden-esque reality of nature, then all of us could just relax, enjoy the cool breezes, eat grapes, and kumbaya, have a great big group hug. Now, that's the pastoral view of Earth, of Terra Mater, Mother Earth. The Georgic view recognizes that, you know, the earth actually needs to be tamed, that you can actually cultivate it. You can clear some land, create a field, cultivate the field, plant seeds in the field, and grow food. You can cultivate. This is the word I've told you before leads to the word culture, You're cultivating, you're creating something good out of what was wild and somewhat out of control. Now, if you're a radical greenie and an environmentalist, what I just said offends you. Well, we shouldn't be clearing forests and planting wheat, should we? Oh, we can't do that. We can't we can't create reservoirs to collect water so that we can irrigate our irrigate our crops and and actually grow more food for people so that they can live in peace and quiet and not be controlled by government and kings and queens who want to control the food supply and and control people as the result of that there's a huge difference between the pastoral view which is again let me repeat the pastoral view is that the the earth is pristine and perfect, and that mankind ruined it. Okay, so if we go back to the perfection of Eden, we could all just relax and we wouldn't have to work or toil or anything like that. We could just eat the natural products of Mother Earth, walk around casually in leisure, and enjoy the fruit of Terra Mater. Mother Earth, the goddess Gaia. That's the pastoral view. The Georgic view, which I've talked to you about before, which is the view our founding fathers held, was that farming is a good thing because the farmer recognizes that the, uh, the weather sometimes causes challenges. You have blizzards. You have cold weather, hot weather. You have, you have too much rain and you have too little rain. This is the nature of our existence on earth. So our job, as described to us in the book of Genesis, is to husband the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, and to take charge of Mother Earth and make it better for God's image. And what is God's image? Mankind. We are made in the image of God. We are the Imago Dei. Therefore, as the image of God, we are responsible as his agents on the planet to cultivate the planet, to make it more productive for the benefit of the Imago Dei, the image of God, mankind. It's a very different view than the pastoral view, which is essentially don't touch the planet. Relax. Don't, don't go to work. Don't get your hands dirty. Relax with your iPhone in hand and, and just enjoy in a leisurely way as you thumb through Whatever it is, your video games or whatever it is you want to dink around with on your iPhone and your technology, just, just relax and enjoy the fruit of Mother Nature. Stop, stop spoiling it. A very different view, isn't it? You know, Martin Isles wrote last week, he said, Humanity is not a cancer on the planet. Humans did not arise by chance and proceed to become a destructive force, which needs to be reversed at all costs. Rather, the planet was made for human beings. It was the environment in which they were placed as an act of divine intent, not to be inferior to it, but to be legitimately supplied by it. Plants, water, minerals, and animals are intended for human use and enjoyment. This is the major reason why they were made. And then he references Genesis 1, 28 through 30, 2, 9 through 14, and Genesis 9, verses 1 through 3. He goes on, this modern world is getting that hierarchy entirely wrong. His point, we've got it upside down. But we are getting another hierarchy wrong too, namely that God is the greater steward of the planet than we are. In other words, we're here to husband, to take care of, to cultivate God's stuff. He's ultimately in charge of it, but he has charged us as his employees, if you will, as his managers, to take care of his stuff. We're behaving as if we were made for the planet rather than the planet for us. We've reversed everything. It's upside down. And as the result of worshiping the created rather than the creator, uh, we can't think our way out of a paper bag, and we're being subjected to these foolish ideas from the elites who fancy themselves to be the high priests of the goddess. Goddess Gaia, Terra Mater, Mother Earth. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.